0: This is the last session, so we can take a quick panoramic view and in the process maybe address certain things which naturally arise when we go through the world with open eyes without any preconceived notions. So, where does the journey begin? The journey begins before the beginning. That's what Vedanta tells us. Before space and time, the journey begins. And that of which we can neither say is or is not Shubhindo writes in Parabrahman He is we cannot say nor is he not For nothing too is a conception of himself unguessed Space is a drop in that wandering sea Time is a wave So that, from there it begins That of which the Shudhi says is Everything, everywhere Equally it says, it's nothing Because it's nothing to that can be according to our conceptions. So out of that being, or when we use the words out and this now, there is no beginning. So there is no time. (laughs) So it shadows forth a being, infinite, formless state, shadows forth a being of infinite existence, infinite consciousness, infinite delight, and in Indian conception, Indian spiritual thought is called as satchidananda Sat, Existence. Chittapas, chit Consciousness, Force, Delight, Ananda. And we see those four great godheads as the four aspects. So we have infinite existence as Brahma and infinite consciousness as Vishnu, infinite force as Shiva and infinite Ananda. Through and through, behind everything is Krishna. So, that's where it begins. But when this infinite being, even before these aspects have come into existence, he's seized by an impulse. Our Divine Mother is there. So she, uh, he's seized by an impulse, a will, call it whatever. She wants the one to become many. Ekoham bahushyam, that day we had. Uh, Vladimir mentioning that and out within himself multiple centers of concentration come up is infinite so centers we we can't say how many (laughs) so we are each one of us one such center of concentration that's our central being beyond time and space and then the great adventure begins because there is nothing so out of him space time emerges it's a long beautiful story But I am resisting the temptation, he extends his space, he enters his movement, becomes time and then these centers of concentration must be embodied. So the Divine Mother now assumes the form of what we know as Mahamaya and she has two aspects, the Vidyamaya and the Vidyamaya. But anyway she builds form, that's why Maya, Mata, Matra, all of them indicate limiting Incidentally, one of the meanings of the mother's name, Mira, is both on one side to limit. On the other side, it's the infinite expanse of the ocean. So, she limits. So, each of these is cased and now it will go through its journey. So, our journey begins there. And when it is cased, something of it is cased, these centers, something of that is cased and placed into this inconscient. Now because he wants to become many space, time, through successive layers of involution or condensation, he becomes this matter or even something still deeper than matter, denser, darker, the inconscient becomes very opposite, which is the natural consequence. And why not? Because it is the game of games. So when you have to play the game of games, you can't play with a very weak team. (laughs) The team is... (laughs) so uh, this too the darkness seems infinite now this is we have this conception that there is only material reality and there is spiritual reality so often people say how to reconcile matter and spirit so my humorous answer is we have to first settle the quarrel of the gods and the titans because these fellows stand in between so between matter and spirit there are several successive layers like steps of the shakti and through which The one who is infinite descends. After all, even to condense steam into ice, you need to go through stages. It's not like, now it is steam, now it is ice. It condenses itself and becomes. So there are several layers and each of these layers, each of these beings are stakeholders. They have their own role to play. Imagine that, um, you know, the owner of a huge plot of land, <laughs> he decides that I want a beautiful space to come. So he has architects, he has, uh, you know, all kinds of people, builders, and then, you know, they have their own idea of things. So the owner is communicating, this is what I want. There is the space has been created. Time has been, you know, has started rolling. But each adds his own touch. So when supposing somebody says that I want this place to become divine, something which is like the divine, and the manager, his only conception of divine is a church or a mosque or a temple. So he says, yeah, yeah, I understand. So we see that slowly each of these, the mother uses the word formature, adds his own twist, takes his own cut, if you like, and so it descends, descend right down to the mason and the laborer and each has his own understanding of the whole thing. And therefore ultimately the final product is not exactly what the one had conceived. But he doesn't give up the game, he withdraws. So there is pralaya. And he starts the whole process again, hoping that each time there is a learning. So pralaya is not end and end. Repetition, pralaya is not repetitive, just like death and rebirth is not a repetitive cycle. There is a learning which has gone into it. And this learning, that knowledge which each one now slowly gets a little more attuned. So tries again, tries again and it reaches a point and again pralaya. So this is supposed to be the seventh creation both as per the uh, Hindu understanding as as well as scientific eye sages as well as what mother says and the seventh creation is not supposed to go into pralaya because it will keep on, it will finally attune itself to the original idea, real idea which is what the super mind is about. So this is the story, so our story begins before the beginning and it begins before we become what we are today. So it goes again. The recovery is also through steps and stages. And at each step, the paradox is that source, it's logic actually, it doesn't require any textbook of Vedanta. Source has to be everywhere and in everything. Otherwise, we'll have to logically say there are multiple sources, which are impossibility. So the source, call it whatever, is not bothered about that, is in everything. And because the source is in everything, each one is searching for that it is very nice uh, i think i already spoke about this that the musk deer is searching for the musk because it is getting smell but it doesn't know how to find it it's inside so he's searching in the grass where is the musk so because this one sachidanand is in everything and yet everything is limited because that's how it has to start multiple so it be- each becomes a multi- limited so this limited is seeking the limitless how to do it it doesn't know so in ignorance what it does if I have ultimately all the money in the world maybe I'll have limit limitless power if I read all the books in the world maybe I'll have limitless knowledge if I can have all the pleasures at my disposal I'll have probably limitless ananda it fails because that's not the way through finites combining you can't have infinite pure mathematics so number 1 source is in everything and everyone and because we are searching for it instinctively intuitively even an in animal creation but we don't know how and therefore we see out of this ignorance we have the birth of what we call as evil it's it's still searching for the that one strangely but what happens when one is you know like two kinds of love exist in the world many kinds okay but two major kinds one is the asuric form of love it wants to unite by devouring There are people who want to destroy the other person and they will say, I love you. Completely they'll possess. They'll even make the person wear all kinds of dresses, you know, right from head to toe. And you know, this is mine exclusively. And any number can be mine (laughs) so well. Whatever it is, it tries to completely possess, stifle, finish. And by that what it is trying? It is devouring and becoming one. Strangely act of love, like the python. Isn't it? It's love. Love seeks union. On the other hand, pole we have the gods. They release. They liberate. They free. They know that union is not dependent on this kind of external holding. Look at such wonderful story. Mother and the, I Somebody, the greatest story of love ever told. How many years they lived together from 1920 to 1950 that means 30 good years, only once they had their meal together. That too, by default, one day the mother says, Champagalaji says very sweetly, she comes and, you know, they hardly had meals by the way. (laughs) And suddenly uh, she says, I'm getting late, maybe I can have it now itself and so the two have whatever, a slice of bread or something together. And yet, who could be more together than they? So this is how love takes its extreme form. And its extremest form is that the divine shaktis become matter. And the Lord comes all the way drawn by matter into it. And starts telling her, please come back. I miss you. I'll come back but all these with all and as she comes back you know this is celebrated in India as Durga Puja I'm not going into that so she comes back so each each step of the way becomes a kind of creation a level of creation as she comes back through evolution and she says these are all my children you got to take them along even the titans are my children I can't leave them they too need to receive your touch and the lord says tatastu (laughs) tatastu Bholenashiva. So he will carry all of them. She will carry them together. What a challenging task. What else did we expect of this source? (laughs) He can't play a simple, easy, just a, you know, you must have a good opponent. So it's not even opponent. She's carrying all of them. They are steps of the way. So all this evil, pain, suffering are steps in his varied plot, in the drama. And it this would become uh, appalling if this is the end the drama is not over just like in mahabharata the story is not over with draupadi's vastraharan it takes a new route it's not over even with dushasan's uh, death it takes a new route take the story of christ is it over through crucifixion no a new story begins the story where Christ universalizes himself, that's what he resurrects. He is no more confined to the body. And now he universalizes himself, his compassion, humanizes. So, this is how this each time evil seems to win, unwittingly, it loses the game. Because that's how the game is. Well, not going into it. Coming back to this point, so ultimately this journey which we call as my journey, your journey, our journey is the journey of the divine in us. It's that source within us, with us. So each time people have tried to understand this source, reclaim it, they have tried through science, occultism, religion, taken it to as far as it could go. But can we really say that we have found the source until we discover that that source is in everything and everyone? It's pure logic and common sense. Whatever it be, religion, science, unless we discover that one reality. And what will be its nature? Its nature is what it is at the beginning. Sat, limited existence, all of us. Chit, limited consciousness, all of us. Tapas, limited force, all of us, limited ananda, all of us. Always trying to become limitless, limitless. So we can take two routes. One is the soul. It is the one which recognizes. It's like the antenna which directly connects because it's that center which was formed inside. From there a ray has come. Shubhindo used the word central being for those centers of concentration which arise within the above time and space. And out of it, a small little droplet or a ray enters and that becomes the psychic being. So it is always connected with the divine. It's our secret hotline. And any number you dial, this fellow knows. It directly connects. And it is constantly trying to turn nature towards it. That's why all of us, regardless of our deeds, even the most evil person. You see, why did Ravana snatch Sita? Because he loved her. That was his story of love. Why does Mahisasur go to Durga? He loves her. So, It is trying to turn nature and that's why we see that in each one of us, regardless, if we raise a universal data question through whatever nowadays we have, uh, evidence based that do you want love or hatred? Do you want um, health or illness? (laughs) Do you want peace or agitation? Do you want um, knowledge or ignorance? Do you want power or weakness? I think there will be one answer what is this that seeks it despite all the evidence being on the contrary yet it seeks it it says we will want it well but people will say but we don't know whether it's possible or not but yet the seeking is the same so in ignorance we try to do it the way we do it and we know it but a time comes when this fellow is strong enough to assert himself see in the story of Krishna first it is in the little cradle So cradle of the superman is very interesting. Cradle means it's not yet developed. The child still needs to be protected and guarded. It's a cradle. When the baby is small, it has to be guarded. Then it begins to grow up. It steps out and it conquers the whole world. Like the Vamana avatar. So we have this initial phases, this little element which yet knows God even in his sleep, dreams of that one because it's connected with that one. Yet, it is asleep, so nature is on a, all this creation is on a rampage. And what is this creation? As Sri says it is a manifestation. It cannot be otherwise. Again, what else can it be? It cannot be suddenly when you say maya illusion, then we have to put another uh, Miss Maya doing some kind of trick. Or when you say it is uh, some kind of, uh, what is it called, shaitan or uh, some some dark force. So again, where did the dark force come from? So all these issues will come. So, but the moment we say it's a manifestation, and what does the Maya do? It manifests. It is the power of the one to manifest. That's why you cannot slay Maya. That's how Shivinda says. You can slay Moha. An ignorant way of dealing with the world is what we need to slay. Moha, the delusion. But Maya is about forms, so many forms. Every thought is a form. Every word is a form. Feeling takes form. Everything has a form. And these are two types. Now, since we have talked about Maya, she won't be happy till we make sure that there is the Vidyamai Maya when we are aware of that essential oneness, not intellectually, but in our very bones. And the Avidyamai Maya when we forget that oneness, which was also required. There are two sides. And in, in, in yoga, it is called knowledge and ignorance. And the divine Shakti, the mother, is beyond knowledge and ignorance. In knowledge and ignorance, they have spoken and met. Our lives are their eyes interchange. So our journey once again begins. We enter from there into space and time. And then we go through many lives. And who walks with us? Unknown to us. He or she alone walks with us. This is my mom, this is my dad. Well, they are representatives for the moment. The day we discover that my mom and dad, (laughs) the original one, whom we are still seeking. That's why we want my dad to be the bestest dad in the whole world. Every child has this illusion. Uh, I mean, sometimes the illusion is kept intact. Every child has this illusion my mom is the bestest mom in the whole world till she sends him to school and says you better be here mom you are going to come with me no what kind of mom you are are a devil <laughs> isn't it that is an expression of love so we because we are looking for that original mom who will actually come with us in the school and there is such a mom <laughs> who comes sees on our side god doesn't test who will he test himself who will he test is he ignorant does he not know who we are does he need to give us an examination but there are forces that are examining us not examining us testing us and that the other day as Vladimir was saying death also it it is the ultimate testing ground so they are all testing us but fortunately she is with us on our side giving us grace marks that's what is grace Making us pass. Sometimes pleading on our our behalf to the gods. My child, don't stop him. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. There are instances like that. Prithvi Singh Nahar, when he had what is, what technically call as the heart attack, used to be the type, he used to type Shurub in those things. And when he had come to the ashram, uh, he had a intractable eye problem and he he's, he was supposed to go blind by 35 or something and the mother gave him the work of typing out those script He said, mother how can i do it i you know i am not supposed to see beyond 35 said she looked at his hand said no you will do this and he continued to do and though his sight would fail yet in the even 70, 75, if somebody had a doubt about what Shura Bindu has written, <laughs> it was Prithvi Singh Nahar, looking at it like this and saying, this is it. So this Prithvi Singh Nahar had what can be called a heart attack. And suddenly one day he, when he has this, he calls the mother. And he sees two beings appear. Tall, handsome, bright. Not tall, dark, handsome. But tall, bright, handsome beings. And uh, they... Come I and look at him and he feels they are probably gods or someone. He says, Don't come near me unless mother has sent you. And they smile, they take up a they are twins. They take out the bag from their they've got a bag, some herbs, and they enter into his heart inside the chest and do some kind of massage. He experiences all this in another dimension, the fourth dimension. And then they go away and everything is gone. So he writes to the mother, Mother, who were these <laughs> beings? were they Ashwin Kumars Ashwin Kumars are the physician of the gods huh? they don't come because human beings call them uh, human beings have their own <laughs> Ashwin Kumar and Sushen and all these Vaidyas but Ashwin Kumar so mother says yes you called and I sent how does it matter whether they were Ashwin Kumars or not she takes a dig how does it matter so she would say to the gods look here my child let him pass and when the titans come death comes we have that famous story of Markande He's supposed to live only for 12 years and when death comes death says I take you he says no Why? I have a right over you he says I didn't give you that right Shiva has a right over me and he embraces Shiva and, but as, as the story goes death Wants to drag him by his nose. Shiva appears. He says, So death says, I am Kal, sir. He says, Yes, but I am Mahakal. You are Kal time, I am Mahakal. I am the Lord of time. You obey me. And as the story goes, he goes away, and Markande is among the five Chiranjivis or immortals, immortals, not exactly immortal, but and He has been blessed or rather immortalized further by Sri poem on Markande. I, Markande, from the world released. So you see, this is the story. It's her story. It's her drama. It's her play. She walks with us. It's her journey. Before it's our journey. You see, when a child comes into existence, child thinks it's me. But ask any mother, Mother has conceived even before the child is physically conceived. Oh, my baby will be this. Oh, my baby will be that. And the child ultimately comes out. It doesn't know that mother has already bought the toys, everything, you know, to play, the challenges, the school. She has already thought about the school, where the child should go. And they have, mm, between the parent, they have, uh, you know, the money, everything they have planned for the child. And then the child comes and after a few years says, I have the freedom, I'll go my way. <laughs> what does the mother do? Okay. The child dislocates from the parents. Perhaps a necessary stage. It's a necessary stage. But does the mother ever separate herself from the child? Does a mother ever separate? She never separates. She is always there. She may weep if the child, you know, she will suffer much more than the child suffering. And she is there at, at one small little call. So I remember my son going all the way. The hardly, okay, hi, hello, all good, very nice, yes, dad. So suddenly night, 1.30, he will call up. Dad, what happened? So I am in Sri Lanka, okay, what, what happened? Oh, my toe seems to be broken, can you do something about it? I am in Pondicherry. <laughs> and I am advising him what is to be done while he has to take a flight. See, this is the bond that is there between we as children of the divine. He doesn't say, Oh, you are evil, you are condemned. Let us, for everybody there is hope. There is no such place where we say, Abandon hope, he who enters here. There always is hope, because the divine is everywhere. Can it, I mean, it's logical, common sense. Source has to be everywhere. Even in utter darkness he would be there. Because it cannot exist without the source. So he is there and all that it requires us is to say, mom, I need you. No mom in the world, no mom. However much the child may have done or said, will say, oh, you remember me today? (laughs) We have so many moms and dads, will you ever say that? Later on you may say, see you shouldn't have done this, you shouldn't have gone that. But at that point of time her response will be, my child I will come, whatever it takes, I will be there by your side. But the child needs to have this confidence. And this is where we need to live with that largest conception of divine, of reality, of truth. And we see that. Shurubhindo gives that and of course it is based on the Sanatana Dharma as the background. That the divine is in everything. He is nearer to us than our nearest self. He is more intimate than even our breath. We don't know it because it is by that that we are breathing. In one of the prayers she said, Oh life of our life, the light of our intelligence. That is how the K. Nupanishad puts it in a more, um, of course in a different way. That which the mind cannot know But that by which the mind is known Know that to be the Brahman And not this that men run hereafter So that who is more intimate than our breath And this is not sentiment This again is logic (laughs) by whose breath we abide, isn't it the source, If sometimes people say, a divine is abandoned, so yesterday that story, Jayanti Raviji's, and I was also referring to it, two days back, can anything exist, if the divine abandons, because the source is gone, it will collapse, there will be no basis of existence, consciousness, force, whatever little it may be, however distorted it may be, so what is our job, our job is to connect consciously, he never broke the link, but he allowed us the freedom, just as the mother never breaks the link. Dads, too, okay, fine. I shouldn't be. Dads also never break the links, though they see a bit, okay, apni zindagi, beta, you go, live your own life, but dads are also, you know, they too have a heart of love, okay? <laughs> for, for the dads of the world, okay? <laughs> so, but they allow the child, but they always, always inwardly. Always they, they're not keeping track, but in a way, they are keeping track. They're keeping a tab. I joined Facebook only to know. And my son only made me join. He went to England to study, and he says, "I say, I "How will I you know get to know?" because every time send me a text me message, and he said, "Dad, you join Facebook, so you will know all my status, that toast is." I said, how do I join Facebook? He said, I'll send you a friend request. So I joined the Facebook only to know what's happening. But now I'm in trouble because I have so many friend requests which I cannot. So I want to leave, leave Facebook because the job is over. So, so you see, this is how always child does not know. We often, when we say that I am responsible, sir, responsibility is with the divine and he is willing to take it. That's the beauty of Sri Aurobindo. He doesn't shun the responsibility that is due to the mighty and the great. We have that little story in Baroda which I love to recount again and again that when he and the Maharaja, Sri Aurobindo is the chief at different points of time, different things, okay, fine. Land settlement to secretary, to the principal. So as they are crossing the road, there is an old lady Uh, is carrying a burden and the burden falls on the street and she has to pick it up, tie the bundle and the Maharaja walks and ties the bundle and then takes it and puts it back on the lady's head and looks back at Sri That he'll surely say, what a great deed you have done. Being a Maharaja, you went there, yourself, your highness, bent, tied. Sri says, Yes, yes, that is what we have been doing so far. What is worthy of a Maharaja is that the lady does not have to tie the bundles. That is the solution. But we have been transferring the load of man's ill onto man. Whether it be karma, whether it God made a perfect world, Man messed it up. Who made man? This is a question people ask legitimately. (laughs) They are right. (laughs) Who made us? No, no, no. God, okay, man. But why did you make us the way you made us? So, Shoa all these questions, nutty questions, genuine questions, valid questions. And I think somebody who doesn't raise these questions at some point of his time is in a belief system. Religions try to answer it. God made everything beautiful. Man messed it up. Who gave me this foolishness to mess up things? I should have become aware. So Sri the all these questions he explains. But the beauty is he says, My dear child, I know you have messed it up because of ignorance which origin is my. I am responsible for it and therefore I am doing something about it. What are you doing, sir? You see how ignorance gradually from the inconscient... Slowly, slowly, more consciousness has awakened, more force has awakened. Existence, we become conscious of our existence and extended existence, unlike the animals. And more ananda. See, animals have very limited ananda joy. That's why perhaps they cannot laugh, though they cry sometimes. But man has multiplied joy, unfortunately, pleasure also. That's anyways. But also so many ways of joy. The good poetry. Lovely music. A beautiful game. A lovely gesture. All this gives us joy. So he would tell us, see, I have done so far. Give me some more time. And man says, how much more time? I don't trust you. I am going to make this world beautiful and better. So man tried. As we know that Anatole France he wrote, why the world is the way it is? Can God, they say that God is omnipotent and omniscient. So, cannot he cure evil and suffering? If he is omnipotent and does not cure it, he is perverse. And if he cannot, then he is not omnipotent. And if he can, he is, can cure it and yet does not cure it. So he raises these questions, and Dilip Roy sends the question to Sharbindo. And Sharbindo says, you know what? You don't know the other side of the story. Anatole Franz, France, Francais, how do you spell it? How do you pronounce it? Frank. Frank. Okay. Anatole Frank, God bless him. <laughs> <So> <laughs> in his heaven of irony. So he met God in some heaven of irony. So there he raised the same question and he says you know what Anatole? i have been of a little bit of a retiring predisposition so i was going to do things and then man came in between said you you stop you have done enough man said you have messed up this world i am going to correct it oh you good how science and industry are my angels and god said okay please go ahead bruce almighty <laughs> okay but a mega version. So he started doing it. And he says, God said after, Anatole, but what is this report I am hearing? You promised that science and industry will transform this earthly life. But what I hear, the reports are not very good. There is war going on here. And people are destroying each other. And the children are into drugs. Pornography is on the rampage. And families have split. What is it? Could your science and industry not do it? It is supposed to be omnipotent. And if it could not, why did it not? And if it could, why did it not? So you know the question flips back. So we are coming out of this rational scientific industrial age which started some centuries back. And we are entering now the age of intuition. The new age will be the age of intuition and in this age of intuition one of the signs will be the many things that we will, I mean many many things that's a subject in its own right. Maybe for next year one of the themes because 2024 is a supramental year. So you know one of the signs will be man will begin to become conscious of this presence within. So you see what is the problem with religion? Some religions God is up there. This is a big problem. because. So how did we come into existence? No, he threw us. So why did he throw it? What kind of a being is he that he has thrown us? What is he doing about it? He is saying, okay, maybe I will rescue some of you guys out of my infinite mercy. Though I am the fellow who threw it, by the way. But I am going to rescue some of you. Provided you do X, Y, Z. Conditions apply. (laughs) What if you don't? You will be damned forever. (laughs) Where do human beings go? Now we see here comes this much vaster. That's why religions beyond the point cannot take us. They have nurtured this Godward impulse. They had their role that there is God. Doesn't matter up there, somewhere. Someone is there who listens to our prayers. It's okay. But now... In the new age, it's not the age of temple and churches and mosques and whatever else, synagogues and gurudwaras, but the age where our body becomes the gurudwara, the temple, the church. And it is here that we have to not only contact the divine, but turn this bodily life into a temple. Automatically many things will follow. We don't have to... Uh, read the do's and don'ts of yoga. Imagine if this body is the temple of the divine presence. Does anybody need to tell us what is to be done, what is not to be done? Where we are worshipping, whom? Dethrone the ego for God's sake. This priest who stands in between the mind, the mental ego. I will tell you what God is, what he can do, cannot do, his limits. Do's and don'ts which God never followed. Audacious. That's how Sri describes. Against humanity this is his sin. God's sin. He has done what he has to and he is confident of what he has to do further. We try to cabin him into all kinds of conceptions, news, philosophies, schools, religions. But he lives in his infinite freedom. Now, instead of ego, ego limits even God. By God becomes as my ego. Oh, he must punish. Why? Because the ego likes to punish. So we want God to punish. Why? Because that's how we are. We, we construct him. Justice is not about punishment. Justice is a very divine principle and its purpose is balance. Justice was never about punishment. We have misread the whole intent. Justice is about balancing things. That's how it comes from dharma. You have to balance. If, if there is a group of humanity or uh, it's like you know, dinosaurs, they were disturbing the balance of this world. They came out of the movie and spread all across, so they had to go because they are disturbing the balance Locusts swarming upon foreign lands and you know sweeping down, then you have to go because you're disturbing the balance. Each thing in its own place, in its own measure, is okay. What is evil? Things not in their place. We have to have a universal. They are not in their place, they're not in their time. So at a point of time, it was okay when man was brute, crude. so, when, then, if he committed uh, theft, okay? <laughs> I was going to say adultery. <laughs> theft, chop off the hands. Very crude, no? Man is crude. So yeah. Today, you say that? <laughs> no, no, please, give him a chance. Poor fellow, he probably, you know, didn't have bread. He didn't have bread to eat. So, you see, how our conception of justice has evolved? Do we expect God to be lesser than what even a human being is? A developed, refined human being today will abhor the idea of cutting the hands or the head for blasphemy or whatever, God knows. If a child says something to his parent, would a parent say, I am going to chop off your head? He wouldn't say that. So even... By this conception, it's quite natural that humanity has to go through a stage of atheism and agnosticism. Okay, let me make, uh, okay, passing prophecy. <laughs> Next decade, we will see these religions breaking down and atheism and agnosticism taking over. It will be clear the ground and that's when the, these profound truths of Sanatana Dharma, these profound truths will come. Right now they are resisted. As much by religion as by the secular um, ideologies. They are both resisting. All that a clear ground has to be made. The world has to pass through that stage. When it challenges these notions and then it will begin to discover. So those who were saying, oh our bachche don't, uh, you know, children don't uh, go to temple. They don't follow the rituals. Well, they are in the flow of time. Because they have now discovered the divine right there within them. And then every act will become a ritual worship. Why can't holding a cup of tea and pouring a cup of tea become a ritual act of worship? Or handing it over to someone? Isn't that the original Sanatana Dharma where before everything we offer, pray and offer? That may it be sanctified by the divine? What is that fire we need to light? It is that inner fire that I want to have that connection with you. What else is sunlit path but rediscovering? that which we have lost from the divine side, this connection was never lost. We have to activate it. We are like those who have a mobile and a SIM but don't know how to activate. I don't know how it works here but in India you have to dial once. If you don't know how to dial, you know. You will keep on saying, I have a phone but it doesn't work. You have to dial first this number then all the other numbers work. So the first number we need to dial is one, 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 one. <laughs> the Divine Mother as one. The Divine Mother in all the beings of the mental world. The Divine Mother in all, all the creatures of the vital world. The Divine Mother in matter, physical matter. And when we live life like that, all grows Beautiful. All grows harmonious. All grows true. All begins to automatically take its place. This is something very interesting. If we live in the consciousness of truth, of the consciousness of that reality, in our personal life, things will automatically begin to go where they should be according to the vision of truth, not according to my desire. This is something which happens. It's something which is seen by those who have walked the path and then they understand what a great... uh, Freedom from the, the 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 joy of effortlessness because we need to just grow this uh, flame and it does tend to automatically because it it has that effect upon everything around and imagine if there are beings who can embody this flame not only individually but at a universal whose being has grown as wide as the universe won't it help reshuffle the entire order the disorder hardening into law lines from Savitri. That's how Sri sitting in one room was changing the world. Was fighting the great world war. So when, that's why there are three terms of the yoga. Discovering the individual psychic being. The divine within, through that door. First step. It gives us freedom from this ignorance. It gives, gives us freedom from fear. Because we know We have always been and we always will be. It gives us freedom from so many divisions. That this is uh, my language, that is your language. Because we discover it is the same. We have been born in different climes, tomorrow we will be born in other climes. How does it matter? It gives us freedom from many things. Also because this psychic being is aware of the divine all the time. It never goes into, oh I must get this. It knows whatever it needs, the Divine Mother will give it. It has to just say, Ma, maybe ask. But even if one doesn't ask, she will give. She is taking care. It lives always under the watchful eye of the Divine Mother. Live always as if you were under the eye of the Divine Mother. Srivabindu's golden rule. Do nothing. Try to think and feel nothing. That is... Won't be worthy of the divine presence. This is yoga. And then she takes care of everything. What is there? And if we are tormented by the conditions of the world, this too we need to offer to her. And she will do it. Who is going to do it? This is a big effort incidentally. Because our ego does not feel comfortable until it does something tangibly, outwardly. But this intangible something, where we are invoking a presence, not even invoking, living with the presence. Invoking still is something... Somewhere we are calling. It is the reality of a being. And when we begin to live it, then the next step is that this contact with the divine within universalizes itself. And wherever we go, we see what Shobindu describes in his poem, the one self. All are deceived, do what the one power dictates. In us, too, Shiva wrestles with the world's grief in us to Krishna seeks for beauty and joy. And at the end, Shravinda says, my rival's downfall is my own disgrace. I look at my enemy and see Krishna's face. So when we condemn the world, what are we doing really? You see an author is, a painter is making a painting. It's not yet over. And we have people passerby. Oh, what kind of a useless painting? Whom have we condemned? The painting or the painter? And We don't even care to listen to the painter. What will the painter say? My child, it's not over. There are people who will go to listen to classical music, but they don't know what classical music is. So they will listen to the two hour long alap. to to." I say, how boring it is. My first contact with classical music. Then what will those who know? They'll say, just wait. And you wait. And then you are much more than amply rewarded. You discover what you had never discovered, isn't it? So what will the painter say? The painting is yet not over. What are you trying to portray? He'll say, I am portraying myself. I am the subject. This is the object on which the subject is imprinting. Don't all all painters do it ultimately? All authors, all artists. So what is the divine bringing out of himself? Who he is, but all the painting is not yet over. Can we collaborate in the painting? Yes. That's where the whole trick lies. Let me be put where I should be put. That's my collaboration. It may be a small little thing of the squirrel, the story that we, let let it be, wherever the divine places me and let me do that part faithfully beautifully, dedicated consecrated to the service of the divine, we don't have to do big things to be in yoga nothing the story, Amal Kiran made a, I think his, his story, made a painting and went to the mother, mother how is it mother said this part is very nice then he felt very ashamed <laughs> because that was the part when he was remembering and making it. <laughs> he said she knew it. This was the part where he was remembering the mother and making it. So this was her way of saying, remember, we may be in any situation, circumstance, we may be stranded on the roads. Okay. The joy of being alone, remembering the divine. Ma, ma, ma. We may be caught in the middle of crossfires. Well, yoga on the battlefield. Worship Kali in that battlefield. That's how Indian thought has conceived of the divine. Even tornadoes, storms. Yes, they may be very violent forces. But who is behind all these violent forces? Behind all these, ultimately we go back to Rudra and Kali. So, that way when we go and perhaps if we Come in contact with these forces. They may be appeased as in Markande's story. Mahakal, I am Mahakal. You are Kal. You are a servant. Don't behave like the master. But we have lent ourselves to false masters. False masters are ego. False masters are science and industry. False masters are analytical reason. False masters are ambition false masters are desire. Do we have to abandon them? Well, most importantly, they must know they are not masters. They are servants. Let the ego self become a servant of the divine. That's the way to come out of it. Let desires be consecrated to the divine. I'd like to have a nice house. Okay. Have a house. Say, Ma, it's your house. You be here. And live there like a, like a child, like a servant, like a, a devotee, like a brother, sister, whatever we want to. All of these together, fold rainbow youth relation. So slowly we will see that the desire for the house changes and we see that that place has become a temple. That's how we have to reclaim this world for the divine. One by one, we have certain amount of money. We take it that, okay, this consecrated to the Divine Mother. Whatever I earn is consecrated to her. That means I must use it rightly, divinely, beautifully. So then, it's not that I have to shun money, I have to shun this, I have to shun this shunning, shunning, shunning and sinning, sinning, sinning. We have to come out of all this. <laughs> we are swinging between these two poles. But instead, if we can learn to not shun, not sin, but Sunnings, turn it to the sun. <laughs> Water offered to the sun, earth, everything offered to the divine, and she is so close. So when we start doing it in this soul creation, this we reclaim what should be the second term of yoga, the universal cosmic self, the divine who is in all things, it's a discovery to be made. Self-discovery doesn't stop by just simply discovering that, well, I ah, am Mr. SWAT analysis. This is so silly. But anyways, it's okay, it has its own place. So it's by discovering not only me as the individual divine within me, but in everyone. Then you may wrestle, but that wrestle is not a, a done by hatred. It's also a wrestle of joy. Holiday of a fight, as Shurabinda says. And then the third time in which we discover is the transcendent, beyond all this. So that tomorrow a whole universe is to vanish. It vanishes, but we know that we exist. Always in the divine. That is our origin. We'll start it again. What is there? When we were children, sometimes they were spoiled sports. When they were losing, what they would do? They'll suddenly, if you are playing carrom board, I don't know, they would, one of them will throw away all the, <laughs> everything. <laughs> so, what do you do? Okay, we'll start again. It doesn't mean we will be indifferent. But if it, it, it is so, Mother says at some point of time we have to be so vast. There is a prayer where she says earthly realization takes so much importance. Well, it is important because of the divine sake. Not for our sake. Because this is the original plan and so it is beautiful. But who knows? Passingly in records of yoga, Shurabindo mentions, passingly, that the previous theater of evolution was Mars and who knows it will be Venus next time. Passingly, just, I don't know what it means. Everything is possible. Because he is infinite. Where are the limits of his self-manifestation? And when we live with this sense, then we don't have to worry about other things. Why? Because it's he. Husband, wife, they are not following the path. No, they are following the path. They are not following your path. They are on their path. So, she is carrying them. Isn't it? So, what can I do? Offer them also. Give them to the Divine Mother. People are in different stages, different steps of evolution. Why do we want to disturb by forcibly doing things? They will, when the time comes and who knows, they will go much faster. Maybe they are preparing for a leap. So, all these worries which we carry are taken away. Because we know that that presence within me is also the presence in everything and it's carrying the creation its own way. I have to do my role, that little bit, which is primarily to at least recover my lost portion of divinity within and in the universe, act under the impulsion of that divinity and not according to my egoistic standards and desire. And if we can lead a life in contact with the divine in union with the divine, be moved by the divine, for the sake of the divine, not for satisfying my own conceptions of the divine, or my own conceptions of what the world should be, then probably we will go much faster, and much more peacefully, and harmoniously, and joyously. Yes, at the end, this world has a luminous future, simply because its origin is Let there be light and there was light. Its origin is light. It has to go back to that light. But darkness is in the middle. With these lines of Savitri, I would close. All is a magic of contraries. And there he speaks of, Night is not our beginning, nor our end. We have come to her from a supernal light. She is the dark mother in whose womb we have hid from too swift an awakening to world pain. So, you know, even darkness serves its purpose. And slowly we begin to become aware. What is this pain? The pain of separation from the divine. She is the dark mother, Diti, in whose womb we have hid from too swift and awakening to world pain. We have come to her from a supernal light. By light we live. And to the light we go. This what Sri reminds us. Who are we? Amrita Siputraha. Children of immortality. Who are we? Ananda Siputraha. Children of bliss.